0: Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I'm joined by Stephen Embry, Vice President Communications for the Southwest Region of the American Heart Association, to learn more about local efforts to increase access to CPR during this American Heart Month. Thanks so much for being here, Stephen.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat.
0: Me too. And I'm going to kick us off by aging myself and saying, when I think about the American Heart Association, one of my first memories that comes to mind are my elementary school jump rope for heart events. And I'm guessing that a lot of our Gen X and millennial listeners will relate to that. But bring us up to speed to the present day, Stephen, what are the biggest priorities and the greatest areas of focus for the American Heart Association here in Oklahoma this year?
1: Yeah, it's so funny you say that. Um, A lot of times when we're meeting with new volunteers or new staff members, um, we always ask them, you know, what's the one thing that comes to mind when you hear American Heart Association? And we do so much as an organization. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we're a nationwide organization um, and doing a ton of programming. Um, and um, just things all over all over Oklahoma, all over um, the country. Um, but jump rope for heart is always one of the ones at the top of the list. That's kind of people's first exposure to heart association. So um, it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, that's definitely um, still a program that that we have, and it's a great one. It's um, it's kind of an an initiative um, new name. It's called Kids Heart Challenge, um, but it's an initiative. We go into schools and we um, we teach kids how to eat healthy, um, how to be physically active. Um, and then they also have an opportunity to fundraise for the American Heart Association as well. So um, an awesome program that we're doing in schools all over the state um, and um, love to get into more schools. You know, this, um, I think if anything, the uh, one thing that we saw when the pandemic hit was, um, you know, kids were no longer in schools. Um, and so because we had that relationship with so many schools, we were able to provide virtually ways for kids to get active even at home. And so um, it's a great program there. Um, but we're doing so much as an organization. We're we we, we're, we hit our centennial in a year, so American Heart Association was founded in uh, 1924, so we're coming up on our 100-year our anniversary, um, and it's interesting as you look back over the history of um, where we started and where we are now. Um, in the beginning, it was truly just um, a, a group of cardiologists who were doing research in their, their own um, their own labs and their own hospital and health facilities, and um, they would find something that, that worked for these um, heart patients that would come in, and they needed a platform to share that information out, right? So they formed the American Heart Association um, and it operated in that way for the first 25, 26 years or so. Um, and then we kind of got into the fundraising and, and really um, funding some of that research that was being done. Um, and so that's when we kind of made a gradual shift um, over time, made huge improvements in um, you know cardiovascular outcomes, um, but we got into um, that really the, the 70s, 80s and into the 90s, and we saw, you I know mean, there's only so much we can do at the acute you know, care level. Um, we've really got to figure out ways to solve this problem before it becomes a problem. Um, and so that's when we started looking into um, you know lifestyle changes and um, eating habits and things that were really uh, for a lot of people, not everyone. some people it's it's hereditary, but um, we started looking at and doing research on um, what are the things that people can do, years before their cardiac event um, to improve their chances of you know surviving these things or hopefully not having them at all. Um, and so that's where a lot of the programs that we have in place now um, kind of originated from that idea. Um, and so um, we have programs that are happening in rural parts of Oklahoma where where you know if you look at statistics, um, you can see um, in some areas in the in the metro areas um, you know people have more access to, um, healthy foods, um, fresh fruits and vegetables, um, where they may not have that access in rural parts of the state. So we have um, we have folks that are working in rural parts of Oklahoma to make sure that um, those options are available. Um, smoking cessation is a huge thing that we're doing across Oklahoma, um, and then that leads into vaping and um, educating parents and teens on you know the hazards that come with e-cigarettes and vaping, and um, and then working at the the state policy at the the advocacy level as well. Um, making sure that we're advocating for, you know, these heart health policies um, and making it harder and harder for kids to get access to, to these things.
0: February, of course, is American Heart Month, and I understand one of the organization's goals is for every household in Oklahoma to have at least one individual who knows CPR. And of course, this is really top of mind for a lot of us right now, as we saw the value of CPR when Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the football field and had CPR administered. So I understand the American Heart Association advocates hands-only CPR. Tell us more about that method and why it's effective.
1: Yeah. So we know that um, up to 70% of cardiac arrest events happen outside of a hospital setting. Um, and so, and the majority of those happen in in a home. Um, so whenever um, something like this happens, typically it's going to be a loved one um, that, that you're going to experience this with. Um, and we've seen that of those cardiac arrest incidents that happen outside of a hospital, only 40% of those patients um, receive CPR. Um, And so hands-only CPR is uh, an initiative that we launched a few years ago. Um, And the idea behind it is uh, we know that not everyone's going to be comfortable giving, you know, full CPR um, in a public setting. Um, But um, the science has shown that just doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, And so uh, we started advocating for hands-only CPR for lay lay. Person first responders. Um, And it's as simple as two things. It's number one, we want you to call 911 because if there's um, an incident, we want emergency help to get there as soon as possible. So the first step in it is call 911, make sure the emergency um, personnel are on their way. And number two is push hard and fast in the center of the chest. Um, The the pace is 100 to 120 beats per minute. um, And that's really, that's really hands-only CPR in a nutshell, um, and we and we try to keep it simple because, um, as I said, the science has shown that um, if we can just create an environment of these lay first responders who know what to do um, in an incident, um, you know, a cardiac arrest incident, um, we're going to have much more favorable outcomes. We still do um, certify and train full CPR with you know thirty compressions to two breaths. Um, and so, if you were to get certif- fully certified in CPR, um, that that would be the um, the guidance, the guidelines that that you would follow. Um, but hands only CPR is really an initiative just to, as I said, train everyone in the community um, what to do um, in one of these um, incidents. And so, I'll add to that: um, February is Heart Month, so this is kind of our our Christmas as an organization. Um, so a lot of happen, a lot happening throughout the month. Um, but we had made the decision months ago um, for CPR to kind of be the focal point of um, of our heart month this year. Um, and so when the incident with Damar Hamlin um, took place on national TV, that just, you know, snowballed. Um, we got uh, more opportunities to train hands-only CPR and um, invited onto uh, multiple, um, you know, news broadcasts and, and everyone wanted to talk about CPR. So it was wonderful for us. It was um, you know all of this, I, I make the joke with um, the rest of our staff. We've been working for years and years to get everyone to talk about CPR and to learn CPR, and it all fell on our laps overnight. So really, um, obviously, it was a um, tragic event that had a very favorable outcome, but um, it's very encouraging to see kind of what's come from that um, over the last few weeks.
0: It was powerful, I think, for people to see that CPR was effective. That, that that is what, um, you know, kept Amar Hamlin alive until he could be um, under the care of, of first responders. So yeah. um, when you see something like that happen and and everybody's talking about it, I think it, it's just such a good reminder of why this is so important.
1: It is. It, and it's been amazing how many stories have come to us in the last two or three weeks of people around Oklahoma, a lot of athletes, a lot of high school athletes um, who had a cardiac arrest incident happened to them in practice and their coach saved them, or, um, you know, it happened in a game. I just saw a video a few minutes ago and, in, and um, in love out of our Lubbock market that um, it was a college football player that similar incident. Um, and they had someone there that was trained in CPR. So um it's, it's shocking um, because you don't see, it's not something you, we see regularly, um, but it, it, it happens a lot. Um, and so the more, the more folks we can get, trained and just to know what to do um, until that professional help arrives, um, the more more um, people will see surviving these things, which is a good thing.
0: Absolutely. Um, explain for us the difference between cardiac arrest and a heart attack.
1: Yeah. So I will do my best. I'm not a cardiologist. I I throw out the bullet points and, um, and then bring on the real experts whenever it gets too technical. But um, at the very base of it, um, the best way I've heard it explained is um, it's almost like an electrical and a plumbing issue, right? And so, um, when you think heart attack, you think blockage. So the blood flow flowing from the heart, um, there's an issue with that. Um, when you, when you think cardiac arrest, um, it's really more of an electrical issue. So it's that rhythm and where your heart's gotten off rhythm. Now a heart attack can cause a cardiac arrest. So if the blood's not flowing properly, it can cause your heart to get off of rhythm and then you can, um, you can go into cardiac arrest. Um, but anytime you see, um, Similar to DeMar, when someone just kind of drops like that, um, that's most likely going to be a cardiac arrest incident um, where there's that sort of electrical pulse um, disruption in the heart. Um, and that's really when um, essentially what's happening is your heart's not pumping the blood to the organs. And so when you start performing those compressions, you're literally pumping the heart for that victim. Um, and so um, people will ask all the time, you know, how long should I do it? I mean, our answer is as long as as long as it takes, right? Or until another professional gets there. So that's why it's so important to call 911 immediately and make sure that that professional help is on the way. Um, but I think Demar um, was on the field for nine minutes, um, so they were performing CPR on him for nine minutes, and then the AED. That's another thing. If um, if there's an AED around and someone, you know, we always tell people to to pinpoint the an individual and tell them to go get an AED because um, if you just yell out someone get an aad someone call nine one one there's a um, a tendency for for people to to freeze or assume someone else is doing it um so we always encourage people you know if you're um, if you're helping that victim be sure and point out to someone and specifically tell um, or assign them those duties so that um, so that they know that they're responsible for those things um, but yeah, it's 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 huge and it, it can be obviously be life and death. I mean, we saw it you know, first hand with DeMar.
0: Absolutely, and that's great advice to kind of give out, delegate out um, those different pieces of this and that, that quick reaction um, is so important. Um, so that's such a good reminder there. Um, so even if we're acknowledging it's important to know CPR, people still have to make the time to get trained and understand how to do it correctly. There's a really cool opportunity here in Oklahoma City at our own Science Museum, Oklahoma. The American Heart Association and MidFirst Bank debuted Oklahoma's only CPR training kiosk this past year. Tell us more about how this works and how local families can use it to understand CPR.
1: Yeah, this this is a very cool, um, very cool activation. So um, we rolled out nationally um, these CPR kiosks um, a, a few years ago. Um, and basically what they are it to me it looks like a video game like a hands-on video game Um, there's a screen in front of you um, and then there's a a mannequin or a dummy um, kind of in front and so you get to literally perform the chest compressions on this mannequin um, and then the screen will read out um, your results so it'll tell you um, are you performing the compressions fast enough are you pressing are you going deep enough with your compressions Um, and it gives you a score Um, and so it's a very hands-on interactive opportunity um, and it's very exciting. So MidFirst Bank has been a sponsor of ours um, and just a, um, a a community partner of the American Heart Association for a very long time um, and they were very um, excited and um, very adamant to bring one of these things to Oklahoma which we were very thankful for. Um, and so through that process we were able to collaborate with Science Museum Oklahoma um, who's Super gracious and allowing us to take up a footprint in um, in their museum space, um, and so it is. It's there on display now, um, and families that go to the science museum can um, can go and they can perform CPR on on this on the kiosk, and then it'll give them out a score. And um, I it's shocking to see when you actually perform hands only or perform chest compressions on a mannequin, um, really how hard you have to you know, the compressions have to be and how fast those compressions need to be. Um, Until you've really done it in person, um, I don't think people really grasp it. So this is, it's a great, it's a great kiosk. It's a great tool to show folks kind of what, what it looks like if you were to have to perform CPR. Um, And I think the other thing that it does is it removes some of that stigma. Um, So we talk a lot about, um, you know, people are hesitant to get involved if they see something happen in public. Um, they may not be comfortable, um, they may not trust their own skills, um, and so there's this dispersion of responsibility, right? And so um, I think just having that opportunity, I mean, it takes two minutes to go through this thing on the kiosk, um, but hopefully it'll it'll add a little bit of that, um, a little bit of um, assurance that if something happened that, that you would be able to, um, to at least perform, you know, the compressions until the medical help arrives.
0: Yeah, so important and and such an easy and and great way for families to to really understand how to perform CPR. Uh, what about kids? At, at what age should we start involving our kids in getting CPR trained?
1: Yeah, I think that it that's one of the reasons we're so excited to have it at Science Museum of Llama. Um, you know, it is hard to perform CPR. Um and so age-wise, I wouldn't say um, you know, probably in the 10 to 12 age neighborhood you could you could really um expect a kid to be able to perform um in certain situations depending on the size of the child obviously but i think the big thing that the kiosk does is removes that stigma um and so um it it just helps kids learn um you know what cpr is um and then um ultimately hopefully you know spark something so that down the road um you know they feel comfortable um we passed uh, we worked with the state legislators, um, it's been probably seven years ago or so now, um, to pass legislation that required all graduating high school seniors to get some CPR training. Um, and so that was American Heart Association. We um, we have a very a- active advocacy team that um, works with our state legislators right here in Oklahoma. Um, and they worked with them um, and got that bill passed with flying colors. And um, so then the onus was on the schools to actually execute this sort of mandate. And so we came back along and we created these sort of turnkey um, kits that we could take into schools. And we could say, you know, here are the mannequins, here's a video, you know, everything that you need to meet this mandate. Because we understood, you know, the the pressure that schools are under. Um, And so we wanted to make sure not only that we worked to get this legislation passed, but also that the schools um, could execute it as easily as possible. Um, and so we're doing that right now at the high school level, you know, schools all over Oklahoma are training. Um, I think the number it's, it's like 30,000 graduating high school seniors every, every year in, in the state of Oklahoma. And so that's 30,000 lay first per, lay person first responders that are going out into the community, um, every year. So we're very excited about that.
0: That is really exciting. And I know I, um, was thrilled when I saw I was looking at just kind of a list for my daughter's school district about requirements for graduation and that was one of the things that was listed on there and as a parent it was like okay I can take that off my list of things I have to teach her before she grows up and and leaves home Uh, but it was kind of it was a a lovely surprise to see that on her list of requirements so I love that you guys um, made that happen. I understand that statistics are pretty discouraging when it comes to women in particular receiving bystander CPR. Why is this such a problem? How do we move past the stigma and uncertainty? And what protections are in place for bystanders thanks to the Good Samaritan Act?
1: Yeah, um, it's very true. Um, Women we've seen are are much less likely to receive um, bystander CPR. Um, And from what we've seen um, and honestly heard is, um, you know, people are hesitant to place their hands on a female um, and with, with the, you know, the stigma that comes along with that. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're doing. We're, you know, we're advocating. Um, one of the really cool things that Heart Association did just this year was um, we've created female mannequins just to kind of get past that stigma. Because if you think about it, in any CPR mannequin you've ever seen, um, is a male mannequin. Um, And so we've started creating female mannequins so that we can, you know, hopefully get past that. Um, One of the things that, um, you know, if you go through a full um, certification for CPR, you're going to learn the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get, you know, all the garments out of the way. Um, And so people are hesitant there as well. Um, The good thing is we do have what's called a Good Samaritan um, law, and that will protect you. So if you are um, making an effort to um, to aid a victim in any way. Um, you're protected by the law um, from any, you know, possible legislation or anything like that. Um, and so really we're just trying to get past that stigma. Um, it's it's a number of reasons that um, people are hesitant to, you know, hesitant in any way to provide CPR, but even more so we've seen statistically for women. Um, and so we're making steps, as I said, to to try to get past that. Um, you know, whatever those various reasons might be, um, in hopes that we we kind of get past that stigma um, of, um, you know, that someone could see legal action or things like that. People just I think they're afraid to they're going to do something wrong um, and or be accused of doing something wrong. Um, and we want to try, you know make sure people know that um, if it if it's a life or death issue um, and that person needs help, um, we want to make sure that they have the tools and that they're comfortable to. Um, to step in and help in those situations.
0: I love that you are using mannequins that are female. Um, yeah. I think that's huge and not something I would have ever even really thought about um as being important, but you're right, that um that that does make a difference. Um, and to just that mentality, like you said, of doing something, that you know doing something is better than nothing, even if you're doing it imperfectly. Um, that giving that, that person, um, more of a fighting chance is so important. Um, and it seems to me like when, when you're trained in CPR, you just have more confidence in, in your ability to help in that kind of situation. And, and you're more poised to, to act when you see, um, somebody who's, who's ha- struggling. Absolutely. So oftentimes people think about heart disease, heart attacks, cardiac arrest affecting many more men than women. But heart disease is actually the leading cause of death for women in the United States. And almost as many women as men die from it each year. What signs or symptoms, especially those unique to women, do our local mom listeners and the people who love them need to be aware of?
1: Yeah. So I think... A lot of times, um, and it's probably from film and TV, um, you think of someone having a heart attack, and you think, you know, excruciating pain in the chest, where you, you know, dropping to the floor, and um, that's kind of the, what we, the picture that comes to mind whenever we think of someone having a heart attack, um, and I think it's important to know that um, a lot of times, often, you know, uh, not, uh, in males as well, but oftentimes in in females, um, the Symptoms aren't that severe. Um, and so some of the things that that, um, we point to or we highlight um, it's uncomfortable, just regular uncomfortable pressure um, or sort of a squeezing feeling um, in the in the center of your chest, um, really for more than a few minutes. Um, or if it kind of goes away and comes back, um, that can be a sign or a symptom that something's not right. Um, pain or discomfort in both of your arms or down your back or in your neck or your jaw or even your stomach um and then shortness of breath um even with or without chest discomfort um breaking out in cold sweats um and so um all of those things could potentially be a sign that something's not right um and you sh- we encourage you to to reach out and and um, seek medical attention um if you're experiencing any of those things that that are kind of uncommon um, but i think that's a, the important thing to know that it doesn't have to be that excruciating pain that takes you to your knees that um, that we kind of see in the movies all the time um, and that's especially the case in females.
0: Yeah that's so important to really be aware of how different those signs and symptoms can be for women and it, it can just be different from person to person um, and I think Parents in general, but moms in particular, often we ignore our own health or we ignore signs or symptoms because we're so busy taking care of everyone else around us. that we don't always stop to consider those signs and symptoms that we are experiencing. I know we talked about that um, I had had some extreme arrhythmia, have had some heart condition situations earlier in life and um, put off calling my cardiologist because I, you know, I was doing other things. I was being a mom, I was being a wife. Um, And it turned out in my situation that I had a very rare heart condition that necessitated a pacemaker and defibrillator being surgically implanted. Um, And so when I think back on that time, it was my husband who really pushed me to to make the call. I knew that something was not right. I knew that I was experiencing symptoms that were not normal. Um, and I'm so glad obviously that, that I made that phone call and had the resources to, to get it checked out and, and taken care of. Um, so that's my plea to all moms um, and parents who are listening. If, if something doesn't feel right, make the phone call um, because worst case, nothing's wrong, but you you know can take that off your checklist, can take it off your worry list.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, mom's health gets put on the back burner, right? Whenever um, kids and dads, um, um, you know, they're, they're always, mom's always got to kind of make sure they're, they're um, helping everyone else. Um, we started a campaign. Um, it's a couple decades old now, but it's called um, Go Red for Women. Um, and it the whole reason behind that campaign is to fight that, um, that belief that, heart disease is just for men, you know, it's a men's disease that, that affects men. Um, and um, when this campaign launched, a lot of people didn't realize that, you know, heart disease is the number one killer of women as well. Um, and so that's the whole goal behind that initiative is to raise awareness among women that one in three women will die of heart disease. Um, and so um, just like you said, the important thing is to know your numbers. So check your blood pressure regularly, um, know your cholesterol numbers, so really stay on top of those things, um, regardless of what shape or health you're in. Um, but ultimately, yeah, get get with a physician um, and, um, and really stay on top of those things um, so that you can, you know, take care of things before they really become an issue.
0: Yeah. And if you, if you, um, that jump rope for heart, you know, if that is resonating with our listeners, that means that, that you probably did that in the 80s. Seventies, so that means it's time to really pay attention to your health. As much as we don't want to admit it, schedule those checkups and, and like you said, take your blood pressure. Pay attention to to how you're feeling. Um, let's talk about some of those preventative methods. I know that's really important for what you guys do. What are some effective ways that women can reduce their risk of heart disease?
1: Yeah, so so there's quite a few. Um, one is physical activity. Um, physical activity we've seen is huge um, and Um, We really, really recommend um, about 150 minutes of physical activity per week. Um, So you can kind of look at that as 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Um, And just getting active, whether that's, uh, you know, whatever that means for you. So, you know, just getting your heart rate up, um, whether that's walking around the neighborhood um, at a good pace or, you know, if you're able to, you know, getting out and running or riding a bike, just whatever it is um, to get just get some physical activity back in your life. Um, sleep is a huge one um, and, and something that really in the past few years we've kind of turned our attention on as an organization and looked more and more at the importance of sleep. Um, we've actually added that to one of our pillars of um, we call it life's essential eight. Um, it's one of the the main pillars that we recommend to people um to be to be on top of um and make sure that you're getting, you know, a good seven hours of sleep a night. Um and just make maintaining um those healthy sleep habits. Um, knowing your numbers is huge. As I mentioned before, Um, hypertension is a huge issue in the state of Oklahoma. Um, I think nationwide, 47% of Americans um, have high blood pressure. um, And that number is even higher here in the state of Oklahoma. Um, And so knowing what your blood pressure is, and then staying on top of it. um, You know, a lot of times a lot of us will just, you know, we'll go to the doctor and we'll, you know, find out what our, our blood pressure is, um during that checkup and then we're not staying on top of it. Um, but if we can kind of get a regular, you know, even weekly um reading of what our blood pressure is, um, you can kind of see kind of where you land and and then kind of make lifestyle changes from that. Um or if you know if you have um you know um severe hypertension issues you can you can seek out medical help for that. Um so those are the big ones. Um eating healthy, eating a a, a diet that's that's rich in um, and fresh fruits and vegetables and lean meats. Um, if you go to heart.org, we have hundreds of recipes that, so eating healthy doesn't have to mean it doesn't taste good. Right. so we've got tons of recipes on our website and cookbooks that you can order and, um, ways to really, really dress up those meals and, 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 um, and cook healthy for your whole family. Um, find ways to sneak those vegetables into your kids' meals and, um, and, and, prepare them in a way that, that your whole family will love them. Um, and so those are the big things. Um, but ultimately it's, you know, if, the, if you, if you are seeing that there are, um, health issues or heart issues, um, the primary thing is you want to seek medical care, um, you know, set up time with your, uh, your primary care physician, um, and really get on a plan with them, um, to get ahead of it.
0: And I'll add to taking care of your mental health. I think oh, really? is, is huge. Um, you know, whether that's some stress reduction or coping strategies, um, seeing a therapist or a counselor. Um, I know for me, that has been a really important piece of my journey. And when um, I am most symptomatic is when I am stressed. Um, so I've had to learn that I can have all those other things, you know, in place and be following um, all of, of those other pieces, but I've got to take care of my mental health as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we actually launched a campaign um, in conjunction with Devon Energy. Um, we've we've seen studies come out from, um, from some of the research that we funded that shows the the impact and the toll that COVID took on families and, um, primarily, you know, first responders and healthcare workers. Um, and so we recently launched a, a campaign um, in conjunction with Devin um, that really gets at that. You know, it um, helping people to learn how to talk about you know their own mental health um, and then really showing how um, poor mental health can impact your physical health um, and showing how there's a correlation there um, and ultimately, you know, you. Your poor mental health can impact um, your heart health and your overall physical health. Um, So absolutely very important to take care of those things as well.
0: As we close out our conversation today, Steven, tell us more about how Damar Hamlin is now sharing his story to further the work of the American Heart Association and how the rest of us non-celebrities can help support your work here in Oklahoma too.
1: Yeah, we were very excited last week. Demar Hamlin, um, if you if anyone follows him on social media, he issued a challenge um, and um, he called it his three for heart challenge. Um, and the goal of the challenge is number one, to train. So to train people in hands-only CPR. Um, and number two is um, to support or to give back to the American Heart Association. Um, and then number three is to challenge three friends. So Demar wears number three. So everything has some kind of iteration of three. Um and so if you go to heart.org three and put the number in or you can write it out, um, you'll you'll land on a page where um, we have a, um, a video um, ready to go. It's a I think it's a 60 second video um, that walks you through the steps of performing hands only CPR. Um, so that satisfies that, you know, that first part of the challenge, learn hands only CPR. Um, you can do it quickly in 60 seconds with a with a video. Um, and number two is an opportunity to give. Um, and then number three, there's an opportunity for you to um, click through and to share this on your own personal social platforms um, and challenge three other friends to do the same. Um, Demar did it. He challenged LeBron James, Tom Brady, and Michelle Obama. Um, so that was very very fun. Um, I think Tom Brady and LeBron James have been occupied with retirement and setting the scoring records. I don't think they've gotten to theirs yet, but we've been told that their videos recorded and they're going to post it soon. But Really, we want everyone to do it, right? The goal behind it is um, to have everyone prepared, um, you know, in in the incident that you know there's an emergency. And so um, it's a it's a fun campaign, and we're very, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to him on the field, but we're thankful for what's you know been a result of it, um, and thankful for the partnership that um, you know he's chosen us to to collaborate with and try to get this message out. So we're really excited about it.
0: That's great. So we can all join in the challenge and I will challenge our listeners if you have not yet been to Science Museum Oklahoma to check out the kiosk. Go check it out this month. Um, Get yourself trained in CPR. Show your kids the kiosk and, and talk to them about what CPR means as well. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stephen. This has been such a great and informative conversation. Um, I I feel empowered. I hope all of our listeners feel empowered um, to learn CPR if you don't know it already or to take a refresher course if it's been a while since you last learned it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You can go to heart.org slash CPR. You can find um, CPR training facilities here um, all over the state um, and find locations where you can, where you can take those classes. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Thank you. And if our listeners, if you want to learn anything else about the American Heart Association, how you can support the organization, you can find tons of information, those recipes that Stephen mentioned at heart.org. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.